From our New York City headquarters, I'm Adam Teeter. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal. And this is the Vine Pair Podcast. And Zach, before we kick it off today, this mid-September, you know, maybe we're getting close to fall week. Um, do you watch any, like, are you a big fall sports person, like college football, pro football? Do you do any of that kind of stuff? Oh, goodness. You know, it's funny that you asked this because this was the question I was going to ask you. So so it's appropriate, I guess, that we're t- covering this. I know I would say that I am a I'm one of these people who like I can't quit the NFL. I, I uh, the my better angels want me to like stop watching football for a variety of reasons. I think it's you know, there's things I don't like about the sport, you know, in terms of the toll it takes on the people who play it. The NFL as an organization is I think pretty reprehensible. And frankly, like it's really easy for me to flush away a Sunday uh, like every Sunday, uh, because between fantasy football and then like, you know, my wife is a, from Wisconsin and is a Green Bay Packer fan. I'm a Seahawks fan. Often they're playing, you know, sort of different time slots. So it's like, you know, we're watching two games in a row, which basically there goes most of Sunday. So yeah, uh, I am not a college football fan. I, I used to be a really big college football fan. Um, but I, it's just something I, I had to, I had to keep one day out of the weekend for myself. I know you're, you're probably, I assume a much bigger college football fan than, than pro fan. I, I suspect, I don't know what, what's, what's your deal. I'm a much bigger college football fan because I grew up in a college town, but really what I love about the fall, which is what I wanted to segue into in our little banter is yes. I mean, I like watching the games obviously, but I really like tailgating. <laughs> Uh, that I think, and I love the pomp and circumstance around coming up with, and even if you're not tailgating at the game, but maybe like I'd say faux tailgating in your home with friends over to watch the games. I just, I really, this time of year, I love the kind of the foods we make, the drinks we have. Um, you know, I love making certain kind of cocktails or drinking interesting beers or sometimes having a good bottle of wine. Although, you know, it's really funny. Actually, my wife made fun of me a few years ago, Naomi, cause she was like, I think you and your friends are like the only guys I know that sit around and are watching football on a Saturday, drinking wine instead of like <laughs> pounding beers. And I was like, I don't think that's true, but um, I, I like, I like enjoying those things. And I do love making, you know, chili and wings. And it's the only time of year I eat any of that stuff. And I try not to eat it every weekend cause it's crap. Um, for you, delicious. Yeah, it's delicious. Um, let's be clear. <laughs> but, but, uh, but I, yeah, I just I love this time of year. I think it's it's a really um, a really cool time of year for for interesting drinks and you know getting together with friends and being outside still because it's cool but not cold and it's just an awesome time of year. I will say this: I'm not a huge football fan from a variety of reasons, but I will say that drinking while watching football is a lot more fun than drinking while watching any other sport. Oh, 100%. I completely agree. I completely agree. Drinking and watching basketball, like whatever. Why baseball, do you think it's it so much more fun? I think, so here's my here's my best guess, and it's the same reason, it kind of comes back to the tailgating thing. Football has this kind of cool property where because, you know, your team plays once a week, and in college it's not even every week sometimes, but, you know, there's like random off weeks that always surprise me when I'm like paying attention you're playing to playing You're playing a team that's not that great, so you're just like, yeah. oh, I'll skip the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's, but so in case, you know, you have a game once a week at most. So the whole thing, it's on a weekend, you know, most of the time. And it feels like a, it feels like a big event. And and drinking for big events is, I think, inherently more fun than like, basically, if you drink and watch baseball every day, you have an alcohol problem. Like, it's not, that's not fun. That's just, that's just sort of an issue. Um, And, you know, basketball, like, I don't know, to me, there's something about watching, not that football is any less athletic, but, but somehow like the, like, I, I can picture like sort of, you know, 
sitting there watching football, whether it's on my couch or at a bar or or at the game even, and, and having a beer feels like the absolute right thing. But like at a basketball game, I don't know. Like I've been to lots of them. It never feels like I don't want to eat or drink anything. It's like weirdly like they're what they're I don't know. There's something about the sport that just doesn't doesn't work for me. And like baseball in the summer outside beer. Sure. Fine. Whatever. But it's like but baseball, like the whole point of going to a baseball game is not really paying attention to the baseball game. And there's something about like the like for me with football where like I like with professional football, I am like I am a little bit of I'm not a good I don't, I'm not good watching games. Like I get too into it sometimes. And like I, having a beer or two helps me like relax a little. And so it's, it's kind of, not only is it more fun, but it's also kind of necessary so that I don't like throw the remote whenever, you know, (laughs) whenever someone on the team drops a pass or whatever. Um, So yeah, no, I think it's, I think there's just, there are things I dislike about football, but man, yeah, that combination of like the pageantry, the food, the beer or whatever your drink of choice, wine, which I have certainly sat there and drank wine while watching football too. Yeah. it, It is. It does work for me, and and the weekly nature of it is also. It's the other part interesting that, works. that you bring that up. Like, I don't know why it is just so much more fun. I never thought about that till you brought it up. But like when I watch basketball, you know, in the winter and stuff, I, I hardly ever really drink. Like maybe I might drink a a beer or a glass of wine or whatever, but I I really don't drink that much. Like it's not a thing where I'm like, oh, I got to make sure I have the beer or whatever that I'm going to have while I watch the game. I like, like, oh, there's a basketball game on. I'm going to flip this on and I watch the basketball game or the same, you know, I don't watch baseball. I think baseball is super boring. Um, sorry, baseball fans. Um, or like when I'm watching tennis or something like that, I don't, I don't think of it as like, it's also a drinking occasion, but when it comes mm-hmm. to football, you're totally right. I'm like, okay, so I want to make sure that I brought these really good beers home and I'm having friends over and we're all going to drink these beers or that I got the good wine I wanted to drink with while I'm watching the game. And I made sure that there's this food that I'm going to have. And it really is. It's an event and it makes it more fun because I think we're getting so, you know, it's also the adrenaline of watching the game. I just think that there's more yeah. opportunities in football for those breakout plays, you know, those, those moments where it's like, there's just that massive amount of excitement and that makes the drinking more fun too, if that makes sense. You're like, sure. oh, yeah, like, you guys are like the, the emperors awesome. watching the gladiators and you're sipping your fine wines. See, that's, exactly. God, that's thanks. what's going on there. Whatever, man. Yeah. Look, I think you're going to be fine because the NFL just picked up, uh, truly, I think it's true. You know, Bon and Viv as their official hard sets sponsor of the NFL. So, Oh, not White Claw? No, White Claw man. doesn't need the Otherwise, NFL. White Claw's got way more money and they own Bon and Viv. So, <laughs> and they're going to, they, they got right in there. Um, All right, well, if last week we were looking forward to the pumpkin spice flavored, uh, you know, hard seltzer, I guess this next next week will be like the buffalo chicken flavored or whatever. <laughs> Dude, that'd be Ugh. delicious. <sighs> yeah, I just made myself sick. wings. Yeah, white claw wings. Yeah. Um, but so you know, the, I, the, I there's no real you know. Let, let's just let's call it what it is. Watching watching uh, any lots of sports, but mostly in the fall, watching football and, and drinking alcohol is really super fun. Um, yeah. We can all agree. Now let's let's move into I guess the the topic for this week. Not I guess I know it's the topic for this week, <laughs> um, which which is something that we we chatted about a little bit. Um, I think it's an interesting thing. Which is I, I don't I, I don't want to take this in a negative direction. So I, I just want to say that this thing that I've noticed uh, when anyone talks about things, and I think it's I, I think it comes out of intimidation, right? But I think it's a fear that a lot of people have of talking about what they like. And instead, a safety mechanism of only discussing what they don't like. And I, I, fa- I found this a lot in the world of beverage, that we're, we're much more willing to tell people something we didn't like than we're willing to take a stand for something we do like. Do you find that? I, I, is that just me? Am I, am I taking crazy pills? We talked about that a little bit in the office and people feel like they've had that similar opinion. But I'm curious, Zach, is, is that something that you've encountered as well? 
That's a really interesting question. I think there is some element of that that I see, which is criticizing something is safer in a certain way, you know, because you can sort of, it's it's easier to fall back on, I didn't like this, or I don't like this, or I think this is, you know, bad. And even if someone, there's Brett on this or whatever. Yeah. And if someone, even if someone disagrees with you, you kind of, you kind of can always fall back on, well, that's, you know, my taste, right? Like, that's how I feel. And and there is some unfortunate th- thing where like people people are sort of weirdly unwilling to sort of stand up for what they actually truly like. And I agree with you that sometimes I do get the vibe from people in various parts of this sort of general industry, whether they're uh, in the trade, in the media, whatever. And sometimes I do want to ask them like, what what do you like? Like, <laughs> the, do you actually enjoy drinking wine or spirits or beer or whatever? Like, is there stuff that you feel passionate about? And I think it's a it's a risk in some sense with this industry and any industry, really. You know, it's funny. We, we started this episode talking off, started this episode off talking about sports. And I was a sports journalism guy before I was interested in uh, wine and beverage. And, and that was for me, one of the things that scared me away from that field was meeting a lot of people who were burned out on it, who didn't really care about anything. You know, they didn't love sports the way they had when they were young. And that's what got them into the field in the first place. It was now a job and they were kind of like, well, you know, whatever. What I root for is, you know, a game that ends on time so I can get home to my, you know, family, which, hey, look, I get that too. I like nights that end early at the restaurant so I can go home to my family. But you know, at the same time, you want those people to be passionate about this thing that that we love, and and the same thing is occasionally true in in beverage alcohol, where people are like seem to just sort of like it's their job, and they're like, well, you know, whatever, it's fine, it pays the bills, or you know, yeah, that's you know, the, my guests really like that, or like, oh man, we get a lot of clicks when I write about that, but they don't seem to have things that they're really passionate about. But sometimes I think that's just, you know, we need to do a better job in this industry of being okay saying, hey, look, I really like this. You know, I'm I'm a fan of this. And especially when that thing that you're a fan of is not like super expensive or super, you know, small production things that no one can get their hands on. It's, It's most exciting when someone is into something that like the average, you know, listener, reader or or restaurant goer can actually go find. I completely agree. I really completely agree. I think so in that vein of instead of, you know, talking about the things we don't like, I thought we could talk about some things we like. What do you think? I like the idea. Cool. So, um, you know, something that I will, I, I, I have to say, I really like, even though I know it's just, I think everyone in my office is like, oh, Adam, like something else is I really still really like IPA. Huh. And I know that it's, I know it's trendy to like other things now. I know that I should be really into sours. I know, and I, and I appreciate them, but I really, you know, like I just love IPA. Um, I like New England style. I like regular style. Uh, I like West Coast style. I guess regular style, West Coast style. I just, I, I love it. And there's, there's some, sometimes when there's a, you know, a certain IPA that I don't in particularly enjoy, but I'm still fine to drink it. Um, I just, I really love IPAs. I think they're really great beers and I, I can see why it, it was that style that really helped craft beer explode in this country because it's just something that's unlike any other, you know, kind of beer I've ever had. Um, the, the bitterness, but also the, the citrusy notes of, of the beer make it just insanely drinkable and tasty. And it's a flavor that I'm always really looking forward to having um, in a very different way than I think about a lot of other uh, styles of beer. You know, like I can always usually have like one stout and then I'm done. Or we, I think we talked about that before, you know, like the, the heavier beers for me just aren't my, my go-tos or things I crave. But, you know, I think IPAs are awesome and um, I'm okay to be part of the 
what, what the craft beer might say is the problem of the person that looks, you know, walks into the brewery or the, or the bar and say, like, hey, so what IPAs do you have on draft? Yeah. I mean, look, I've never, I've never been a huge IPA guy, but oddly enough, like lately I've been drinking more of them. And I think like you're there, they are just, in my opinion, as much as I'm, they're not my favorite choice of beer in a lot of cases, when I do drink them, I'm like, oh yeah, like I get it. It makes sense to me. It's not what I want all the time, but you're right. Like they're, when they're done well, they're like a really nice balance of a lot of different flavors and sort of components to flavor. And they are still for a lot of producers, a lot of brewers, they're still the thing they're most passionate about. And you can sometimes just tell like the brewers get off on making these really cool, interesting, sometimes really sort of straightforward IPAs, sometimes pretty wild flavored IPAs. And like, you know, I'm always a fan of something where the person making it is passionate about it. And sometimes you get the sense that other beer styles, you know, they might be making because they have to. Um, and sometimes that's IPAs for some brewers, for sure. But but a lot of them do still really love that, whether it's the, you know, the slightly more control they have or the fact that they get to have, you know, kind of just more influence on the flavor through how what hops they add and how they add them and, and what other flavors they might use. But yeah, I'm, I'm not going to argue with you. And, and uh, you know, there's, there's a million great IPAs out there. And are IPAs at the point in their life cycle where the bad ones have kind of fallen off by now. And so like the ones that have stuck around are actually good. Yes. See, God, Nick, you're such a sage, man. Like, I just, I really appreciate you coming in yes. with that. Yes. Really? That that's a really hot take that I really appreciate. And it's a really good tip because you're right because IPA is so popular. That must be, that's probably another reason I do love them so much. There's so much out there that you, it needs to be really good to stick around. Yeah. Because people have are, now know what good IPA tastes like, so we're not willing to drink bad IPA. That's a really great point. Uh-oh, Nick's gunning for my job. <laughs> I, seriously, next week we're recording without you. Um, <laughs> well, I was going to say what, something uh, I liked, but I, now I don't like this entire <laughs> podcast, and I'm not going to upload it. Uh, what about you? So uh, a thing that I really love, and God, this is this is – Oh, I don't know. I don't want to know what Adam's going to say about this, but but I was just I just had one the other day, and I was reminded of how much I do still like this cocktail. And it was a like like the IPA maybe was for you. This was a sort of a formative drink for me. I really like mojitos. I gotta say, I actually have enjoyed them in my time. Like they're the kind of thing that, like anything else, you know, a poorly made one sucks. But basically, you combine mint, lime, and rum, which are three things I really really like. A little bit of sugar maybe a little soda water and man like you know finishing up summer like fuck it's such a delicious drink it's just it, it is it is not you know no one no one's gonna go out there and you know beat the drum for the mojito except me i guess apparently and it's a drink that you know bartenders are sick of and and a lot of people sort of roll their eyes at and that's fine um but man when you get when you get it made well with like actually good mint not like shit that's been collecting in the refrigerator for a week and it's like half brown and when it's properly balanced, God, it is such a good drink. And I, every time I have it, I am reminded like, yeah, there's, there's a reason why this was the first drink for me where I was like, oh, wow, cocktails are a thing. Like it was the first thing I think I ordered on any kind of regular basis that wasn't like spirit and mixer. Um, and it's granted not like a whole lot elevated beyond spirit and mixer in some ways, but but it definitely was like a transformative cocktail for me and also is still fucking delicious. Yeah, it's a pretty tasty cocktail. You know, like there's just things – I mean I think I'd put in in that world of cocktails, you know, the caparinas and sort of like the the sweeter drinks that I now we think like of as like – I would even say like a mint julep. 
kind of another one I yeah, love. Those are tasty, tasty, tasty yeah. beverages. For sure. And I'm good with them. Soda water, so, sugar, and a little alcohol sounds a lot like a White Claw. I mean, <laughs> exactly. Nick. I'm sure there's a mint one out there. God, this, <laughs> who is sponsoring great. this podcast, Nick? What's going on here? I, I got that know. claw money. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, ain't no laws. If uh, I, I will say, so another thing I love, and this is for this time of year, I think, I love Merlot. Oh, I was going to say Merlot. Merlot. Oh. Adam, you and I really are kindred spirits in so many ways. Merlot is just a good – well, yeah, except for, you know, I don't pick fights on Twitter. But that was that was last week's episode. <laughs> Anyways, so. You just pick fights on this podcast. That's fine. <laughs> just with you. It's fun. Um, so, you know, it's our dynamic. It works. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Merlot's a great wine. I think it's a really amazing wine to get people into red. I think it's soft. It's, you know, it's – beautifully it's often beautifully balanced there's really nice acidity there's beautiful fruit it's you know it's it's basically when people tell me they want like a, a you know a delicious easy drinking red i'm always like yeah you should be drinking merlot mm-hmm. you know when merlot's done well it's just such a great wine and i you know i think that thanks to some movies uh <laughs> basically sideways for still ruining this its reputation you know it doesn't get the respect it deserved and it'll you know because of that some other wines have taken its place most mostly malbec um as sort of like the wine that people think of when they think of like a you know a really accessible red but i think merlot is more accessible and way more interesting yeah um so i you know i think that it's it's a wine that people should really get back into and you know you should own loving it and don't worry if other people criticize you for sure. I will say two more things about Merlot. So one is, I think Merlot as a single variety wine is great. I think Merlot as the dominant component in a blend with, say, Cabernet Franc or Cabernet Sauvignon or both, is that's where, to me, the grape really, really shines, where you get all of that sort of beautiful plushness and juiciness from Merlot and a little bit of structure from the Cabernet grape or grapes, whichever you may, the winemaker might use. And then you start to really see kind of this really beautifully balanced wine that still can be really drinkable but has a little bit more just a little more sort of um, uh, definition to it. I will also say that, you know, this kind of maybe comes back to what both of us said, you know, IPAs and I think, you know, Mojitos and Merlot certainly fit into this. I think maybe what we're kind of pushing back against here in this podcast in some way is this idea that like, there's something wrong with things that are just, just tasty. Like they're delicious. They're, they're maybe easy drinking in some sense, but like, when did that become a bad thing? Like, exactly. I don't know that, like, I like to be challenged by my drinks sometimes for sure. Like I, but I, but this is also what I do for a living. And sometimes easy drinking isn't as interesting as other stuff, but man, I, I, there, every time I come back to one of these sort of easy drinking beverages, I'm always reminded like, oh yeah, like sometimes it's nice to not be challenged by my drink sometimes in the same way that, you know, like no one ever really is like, you know, what sucks macaroni and cheese. Like, yeah. Is it the most exciting food? No. But like when it's good, it's so fucking good. And the same thing with these things, like they are, I guess the comfort food of drink in some way. And maybe that's really kind of what we're talking about here. Exactly. You know, we shouldn't be afraid of the comfort food of drink. Um, what, what else you got, Zach? So, well, it's so kind of in that vein with, with the comfort food side, I know in sticking with sticking with wine, you know, the other thing that I've been sort of finding myself drifting back into is like I had I had been out on uh, Pinot Gris or Pinot Grigio as a grape. And then I started drinking a little bit more of it because, frankly, like we had a couple of servers that I work with who were like, you know, I don't. I don't understand this grape. Like, can we do a class on it? Can we talk about it? And I and I opened up about six or seven of them and, and was tasting through them. And I was like, you know, I have kind of this. It's always the grape that I wrote off. And 
and I get why in some ways. Like, there's some crap Pinot Grigio out there that kind of doesn't taste like anything except sort of like alcohol. It's it's actually kind of White Claw esque, frankly. Nick, you should you should be into Pinot Grigio. But uh, no, don't insult Nick. See, we said we weren't going to do this. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's old habits die hard. Uh, but no. But I think it's one of those varieties where, like, not only is there incredible wine made from it in, in some sort of you know exclusive places, but even a lot of the like general level, just kind of like glass pour, slightly baby, you know, like inexpensive bottle, but not like super inexpensive bottle. There's something it does. It's like it has a nice kind of refreshing quality. It's got a little bit of texture. And like I just feel like I had been bashing – I'd sort of reflexively been bashing Pinot Grigio and, and Pinot Gris by extension. And, I, and I've and i kind of come around. It's not my favorite, but I do think like it has a much bro- bigger place in the world of wine than I had given it credit for. And and so I guess this is maybe more of an apology than a than an absolute testimonial. But, but Pinot Grigio lovers out there, uh, I see you. I hear you. And I, in some sense, I am with you. I like that. that. That was good. That was nice. We're trying, I mean, folks. We're trying to be nice here. I, no, I think I think it's good. I mean, I think that's definitely. I mean, for me, I said the final, the third, and final thing that I've been, you know, that I I do really enjoy um, is I still like my expensive whiskey with mm-hmm. ice. So I like to drink it. I know it's probably not okay. I know people will tell me that I should just add a drop of water and drink it straight, but I like it with ice. It's how I like it. Tough, you know. And I think that that's the the bottom line. Is, you know, this is we've always we've always wanted. You know, the whole mission of everything with Vine Pair is it's about the consumer and it's about how you enjoy to drink things. And you know, at the end of the day, there's I really don't believe there is a right or wrong way to do something, right? Like in terms of drinks, mm-hmm. if you know, if you if you want to put your wine in a blender and hyper decant it, I think that it's – I would never do that to my wine. But if that's what you want to do – I don't know if anyone else is watching Succession, but that happened in Succession a few weeks ago. You know that I don't watch great, TV, Adam. It's a great episode. If you want to hyper hyper decant, as they say, <laughs> feel free. I mean I've, I've tried it and I I don't enjoy how the wine tastes, but you may and that's fine. You know, And if you want to put ice cubes in your whiskey like I do because you enjoy that experience – you should do it. And uh, so I'm really into it. Have you have you tried the whiskey stones thing? Do you – has that ever I worked? I hate for them. You? I hate yeah. them. I, I, no, because you know why? Like I'm not looking just to make the whiskey cold. Mm-hmm. Like I'm looking to make the whiskey a little bit watery. I like like what happens as the ice melts. Like that's what I'm into. Um, I like like the, how the whiskey tastes at the bottom of the glass when I'm almost done with it. You know, like that's – I just – I enjoy that, that kind of mix of – ice and water i mean ice and whiskey i've never enjoyed the whiskey stone like it just it doesn't it never it never works it hits you know sometimes when that rock falls down and hits you in the tooth or something it's not pleasant just i'm not a fan of them um you know and i think that i don't know many people who are like i've never heard a lot of people like i'm gonna get my whiskey stones out of the fridge everyone gets them as a gift usually you get them uh at when you're someone's groomsman uh-huh. So it's a really popular groomsman gift, you know, and uh, you get a you get some whiskey stones. I think I might have given them to my groomsman when I got married. Sorry, guys, um, but you know, I don't. I, I never. I never thought they were that great. Nick, as an aside, was just in a wedding. Nick, did you get whiskey stones as a as a groomsman? We didn't. We got uh, Leatherman multi tools. Uh, so it was a go. Wisconsin wedding. So, there you go. You know, yeah, way more practical. Leatherman. Uh, th- then they carved their own whiskey stones with said Leatherman tools. Uh, okay, so my last one here. I'm going to come back to beer, and and again, some of this was just looking at stuff that was kind of like transformative for me in its own way. I still, you know, if Adam's love for IPAs is his thing, for me, like I still, and I don't know, this may not have fallen out of favor, but I love Belgian beer. Like, 
there's something about it. Yeah, and <laughs> apparently I'm boring Adam here uh, with this whole podcast. Yeah, but uh, it's on like, you. God, I'm so over. I'm so over. I'm riveted to that. Please continue. Yeah, thank you. Um, it's just one of these things where, like, again, was sort of for me one of the some of the first kind of import beer that was not you know like Heineken that I that I really found interesting were some Belgians. And it's still just something about the way, like the you know the slight sort of funkiness, the the sort of complexity, but they're still light in a way. Like I just, they're still super enjoyable for me, and I frankly don't drink them as often as I should. You know, again, we I, you know living in Seattle with a lot of, I mean, literally like five breweries within five blocks of my house. Most of the beer I drink these days comes from there, and and some of those pe- brewers do sort of Belgian styled beers. But every now and then, I kind of reach back to some of the classics, and and uh, whether it's you know uh, Chimay or Delirium Tremens or something like that, I'm like, oh god, yeah, I remember why I love this, and and still do really. It's just not as big a part of my life as it used to be. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you see it as much as you used to because we've we just we've had such an amazing American beer scene explode over the last you know, 10 years that a lot of the bars that probably would have brought in tons of Belgian beers have sort of replaced those beers with American craft beers. I've even seen that happen at like one of my favorite, I mean, one of my favorite bars when I was uh, in college uh, was the brick store pub, which still gets rated as like one of the best beer bars in America every year in Atlanta. And, um, you know, when I was early on in college drinking illegally with my fake ID, thanks brick store. Um, they had, Lots of Belgians, and they still do. But I've even seen when I've gone back to visit Atlanta, I've seen more craft beers on their list. Mm-hmm. Why? Because that's just the nature of what's happening in America. We have a lot of amazing brewers that are making great beers here, so we, you know, we're, we're celebrating that in the same way that you know other countries celebrate their own wines, their own beers, their own spirits. So I think it's a natural progression. Um, but I still do love Belgian beers; they're still really amazing. Yeah, and we just you guys just sent a team of uh, listeners to Belgium, right, with Cat. So uh, yeah, obviously, people they, are still into Belgian beer. They're there now. <laughs> they're there now. So uh, yeah, they're there now. Hopefully, they're drinking a lot of delicious beer for me. That was the trip, as, as you, you dear listeners know. I was really bummed to miss. Yeah. Well, man, this was this was good. I feel good. I'm I'm in a positive place. I'm gonna go home and have a mojito and uh, I don't know some Pinot Grigio and I guess a Belgian beer and then pass out. Apparently. Yeah, man. This has been really interesting. Um, you know, if, if you're a regular listener to the podcast, uh, email us at podcast.vimper.com and tell us some things you love. Also, um, one thing that I think could be really cool is if you are a listener and you want to send us a voice memo. So basically you want to record yourself um, on your app on your phone uh, with a question or with a comment and you want to send it to podcast.vimper.com, you know, we'll play it on air. So if you've got questions for us, you could send them in that way, um, especially for Zach. Uh, everyone has questions <laughs> for Zach. Um, or questions about if, Zach. You know, like, well, what's his life plan? Um, but, you know, <laughs> if you want to send us a comment, a question, et cetera, like I said, please record it as a voice memo on your phone and email it to podcasts at vinepair.com or just send us a sound file if, if you if you know how to do that at podcasts at vinepair.com and we will play it on air and we would love to start answering some of your questions at the end of shows, um, depending on how many we get. Thanks so much for listening uh, and we will talk to you all again next week. Sounds great. Thanks for listening to VinePair. We'd love to hear what you think. Feel free to drop us a line at podcast at vinepair.com. And if you really love the show, we'd love if you rate it and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Reviews and ratings really help other people discover the show. Now for the credits. VinePair is recorded in New York City at VinePair headquarters and in Seattle, Washington at Cloud Studios. Our engineer is Nick Patry, and the show is produced by Zach Jawal and me. Our show logo was designed by Daniel Gridberg. 
Special thanks as well to the entire VinePair staff, including but not limited to my co-founder, Josh Mallon, and our editor-in-chief, Emily Saladino. Thanks so much for listening and see you next week.